for uh, a couple of years, our church was going through a very difficult time financially, and uh, God has turned that all around, and I know that Jared had come up different times when it was difficult. He said, I'd like to come up and say thank you, um, and some of the elders as well, and, and I want to say thank you as well, because um, not only are we back on track with every bill paid, we did a lot of uh, updates on the building that had to be done with the roof and the bricks and some of the lights and, and so many things, and and uh, every bill was paid at the end of the year. And so I'm so grateful to God. We haven't been able to say that for a couple of years, but God is faithful and you are faithful. And I really appreciate um, just the generous heart of our church. And if you know anything about Christian Life Church from our very beginning, uh, it's never been all about us. We have been involved in missions from the start of Christian Life Church. That was some, something that was kind of just as we began, a commitment that we made, and I can't remember a time in our church's history when we haven't supported the Angel family in some way when, when Josh was just a little guy supporting his mom and dad on the field. And it's such an honor and privilege to have Josh and Ann Angel with us today and uh, second generation, and we're supporting them as well. And uh, usually when a, a missionary comes to, to share, uh, we say, yeah, we got about five minutes because we don't have much time in the service, 10 minutes maybe. And we always want to be sensitive to the Lord, and especially at the beginning of a new year. And I just, it didn't sit easy with me when, when we told them that. And I, I really felt the Lord saying, no, there's a word that needs to be spoken. They've been through so much the last couple of years. And um, so I asked if they'd be open, and they're actually going to share this morning. And uh, we're going to watch a, a short video of their um, of their work, but I, I want to let you know that we've known uh, Josh and Ann for a very long time. Like I said, I don't know what time I, I, that we haven't supported the angels, and, and to have Josh here at the Bible College and in a part of our church for so many years, that was a blessing, and, and Ann's family, uh, her dad's in the same fellowship that we're in, and so just years and years and years of relationship, and so what you're going to hear today, what you're going to see today is really good ground. And I also want to tell you, just be ready to receive from the Lord today. I can't tell you how powerful last night was. And so I really want you to be ready to receive from the Lord this morning. But let's watch a short video about their work, and then uh, Josh is going to come up. In these dark times, how many of us have wished for a place of safety, a refuge from the storm, a moment of peace and stillness? Meet Jesus Angel and his two sons, Josh and Jonathan. These angels and their young families live and work near Guadalajara, Mexico, to provide a place where people don't just hear about Jesus being the light of the world, but where they can come and see firsthand what it feels like to be part of the family, what it means to be safe. Although our long-term vision continues to be to operate a full-time residential Bible and missions training center on our base, the obstacles we have faced in the last four years have made that possibility seem sometimes impossible. From infrastructure problems in the community, to a lack of staff and resources, to paperwork and bureaucracy that just won't get settled, many times we are not even sure where to start. And on a personal level, Jesus' wife Angelica and Josh and Ann's son, Will, have gotten sick and passed away. 
But even through all the sorrow and difficulty, we have seen God use us as a refuge and comfort for the precious Mexican families around us, for fellow missionaries that come for retreat, and for teams from the states that come to minister to us. Everyone in our town confronts the same problems, the same obstacles, the same tragedies that we do, and many more besides. Addiction, abuse, cartel violence, deep poverty. And as we live beside them and open our doors to host them, many have found a place of peace in a world of turmoil. From women's lunches to birthday parties, to martial arts classes, to weekend seminars, to camping trips, to bringing in the new year together, we know our reputation has grown as a family that welcomes anyone to come for counsel, for fellowship, for prayer, or for fun, in a place where they can be sure that they and their children will be safe and will hear the Word of God. The coronavirus has deeply impacted our ministry as it has so much of life in all the world. So we are not exactly sure what the next year holds, but we do know that we will continue to walk with our friends, our family, and our community and hold out the word of life. So when everything in the world is shaken, those who hope in Jesus Christ will stand firm. on okay there we go it's it's nice to see see family again um uh and it's amazing oftentimes how hard times will show you how much family you do have in christ and how deep and and how wide that that goes in into your soul into into the eternity of our souls um when pastor asked us to to share um, I really felt, um, God, tell me, I, I want your wife to share this time. And she's, she's been a gift to me. She's, uh, <laughs> she's a lot more than I deserve. I always say I'm a kind of, the kind of guy that gets things I don't deserve. And she's by far one of them. <laughs> and she's, she's been God's gift to me. So here she comes. This is an angel. And this is Jack-Jack, who will go to the nursery. <laughs> um, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, where are my notes? There we go. Jack, it's okay, bud. See you in a little bit. Um, thank you so much for having us and for your continuing support. We bring greetings from Jesus, who you also support. That's Josh's dad. He would be here if he could. He can't travel right now because of the adoption of his niece that is ongoing 
He doesn't want to leave her behind, but hopefully that will be resolved soon. Um, so I'm tempted to do just exactly what I did last night because people said it went well, but I really wrestled um, because I think I'm supposed to share a personal story a little bit about Will. So um, it's a little different if you want to hear last night, which was just about the Bible. You can listen to that, but today I have to tell you a little bit about Will. Um, so to start off, he um, was such a special kid. Uh, Jack, I'd say, is a normal kid. He's also very special, but Jack is cautious, clingy. He, as a baby, he wanted to be with me. He was nervous about new people. He liked toys. He didn't like people um, very much. But Will was totally the opposite. Will was the most fearless, open, happy, social little baby, even as a, just a little baby, that you could ever meet. And I felt like God had given me two babies, one for me and one to share. Um, because Will, as an example, we went to physical therapy with him because of some of his issues. And one day there was a new intern that was just observing us. And Will was so distracted. And he kept looking over and looking over. And he wouldn't do any of his activities until the lady just let him go. And he went over to this new intern and just hugged him and looked at his face. And then he could do his thing. And that's how he was. He wanted to meet everybody and hug everybody. Um, and he was um, a gift, a total gift. And, but there was a time, um, about two months of his life, where I forgot what a gift he was, and I lost time that I could have had with him. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about losing time and why we do it and um, how we can avoid it. Um, and so we're going to talk about Eve, uh, because she also, I think, wasted some of her time. So we're in Genesis 4, at the beginning of the chapter and at the end of the chapter, Eve says one sentence, okay? So at the beginning, she gives birth to Cain. She says a sentence. Then there's the story of Cain and Abel, and then Cain. And then at the very end of the chapter, she gives birth to Seth and says one thing. And I think there was a big shift in her between the birth of Cain and the birth of Seth. And we are going to look into it. So, Genesis 4, chapter 1. I mean, chapter 4, verse 1. But first, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you for all the very imperfect people in scripture that you tell us about so that we can learn from them and do better. And I pray that you would touch people today right where they are and you would impress upon us the brevity of our time here and um, the importance of, of intimacy with you to make the most of it. So, verse 1. Adam knew his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain, saying, I have gotten a man from the Lord. So depending on your translation, it might say, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man, or something like that. But there's only the four words in the Hebrew, I got a man from the Lord, basically. And so um, if you look at that um, sentence, <clears throat> it seems pretty standard, but it turns out that the verb she uses there, I have gotten or I have acquired a man from the Lord, is also the same word used to um, 
used for purchased. In another place, in the Bible, many places, almost all the places, it's for buy or bought or purchased, like Abraham purchased a field to bury his wife, that kind of thing. And so, and that word, the gotten word, that's where she gets the name Cain. So Cain actually means purchase, my purchase, or my possession. I have gotten him from the Lord. Why would you say this when you have a baby? That's a weird thing to say. But I think she kind of left Eden. We see her in chapter 3, leaving Eden with a victim mentality. She says, well, I was tricked uh, into eating this fruit. It's not my fault. And when we have that attitude, like, oh, well, I disobeyed, but it's not my fault. I did the wrong thing, but you can't really blame me for that. Anyone would have done that. It was just a reasonable thing to do. Um, then we don't accept the consequences. And so her consequence from the Lord was, you can't live in Eden anymore, and childbearing is going to be painful for you. And if she was still having the idea that, well, it wasn't really my fault. Well, God shouldn't really blame me for eating the fruit. How mean of him. Then when she's out of Eden, she, just imagine, if you went from absolute perfection and beauty and ease and comfort, I think, probably, and intimacy with God to toil and strife with your husband and you have to make camp and you have to dig in the ground and all these things and you don't eat as well as you used to and you're not as comfortable as you used to and, and then you get pregnant and you've never been pregnant. It's very uncomfortable and painful and you have a baby and it's hugely painful and she must have felt so put upon like how dare God make my life so hard and so painful and so uncomfortable when I just did this little thing, I just ate this fruit, but I was tricked and it's not my fault and he couldn't have expected me to do better than that. So <clears throat> I think when Cain is born, she's saying, um, God, you tried to make it too painful for me to have a baby. You cursed me with this pain, but I was strong enough. And I pushed through it. And I got it. And I earned this boy. And now he's mine. And that's what she names him. Mine. And um, we know that the intimacy that they used to have with God was not there anymore. And I think she was trying to replace it with intimacy with her children, her family, um, okay, I'm going to make something different than Eden. I'm going to make my boys, my family, I'm going to have this thing, and I'm going to try and control it and not depend on God so much because God might just be mean to me again. And so I, she was trying to have her little kingdom and keep God at a distance. And I think that this is very common in us when we feel like, We've lost something unjustly, or we used to have something good, and now we have something worse. We, we just, we're complainers. And even just if something changes, even if it's not necessarily worse, we don't like the change, and there are things about the change that are worse, and it's uncomfortable, and it's, um, we can tend to yearn for the good old days or store up resentment, blame God. Why did you bring me here? What is going on? I want what I had before. It can make us afraid. It can make us want to control things like what else is going to change? I have to hold on to what I have. Um, I want to try and manage things to my liking. 
So trust can turn into suspicion. And we think, well, you know, maybe leaving things in God's hands isn't a good idea. If he's just going to mess them up, then I better be in charge of my life. And so I think that Eve had this period of her life where she was trying to be in charge. She was trying to be in charge of her boys and um, keep God at a distance. Um, And so in my life, this change happened very starkly with the twins. Um, When the twins were born, uh, we were over the moon. We had had a hard time getting pregnant, and um, so it was a miracle that we were. It was a miracle that it was twins. We were so excited. And when they were born, just the same. I was, I mean, it was a dream come true. I loved babies, loved kids, always wanted kids, always wanted twins, actually, specifically, because I wanted them to be friends, I wanted them to grow up together, all of these things. And so I was just very tired, because it's very, very hard to take care of infant twins, but so, so happy. Um, Until, at six months, Will had a seizure. He actually had his first and second seizure on the same day, in the middle of a had a seizure, we went to the hospital, they sent us home, they had another one, we went back to the neurologist, and it was so terrifying. And that led to more doctor's visits and medication and an MRI, and we found out that somewhere between 30 and 50% of his brain matter was simply missing. And the brain that he did have was incompletely formed. Um, The neurologist was amazed when he saw the MRI, which looked like uh, I just a totally defunctional, dysfunctional brain that Will was as normal as he was, as, as happy as he was, all these things. And he told us, you know, I don't know what this means. This could mean a lot. It could mean nothing. It could mean he has a ton of problems. It could mean he's just clumsy. We don't know. But he might not be able to talk. He might not be able to walk. We don't know. Um, and so... Suddenly, I was plunged into grief and fear and wondering. He did have some physical difficulties. He couldn't use his legs the same way that Jack could. And for a month, maybe a month, maybe a month and a half, I was gripped in this cloud of of fear and grief and questions, confusion. Why did I have a, why did God give me this, a boy like this? Why, you know, these weren't the twins that I expected. This wasn't the twins that I wanted. This isn't the dream that I had. And I had, and I was grieving it. And when I would look at Jack and he would do something new or he would stand up or he would say a word, I would cry instead of be happy because I knew that Will wasn't doing that yet. And when I looked at Will, even though he was happy and sweet and everything, I would just be so heavy with what he couldn't do. And is his, are his legs going to work? Is he going to need a wheelchair? What's, um, what's going on? And for those few months, I just made that mistake that Eve made, which was... I tried to be in charge of it. I tried to 
see if I could fix it or plan a way, like maybe if we see enough specialists or if we get enough medicine or if we go to the right places or if we come back to the States or all these things, maybe I can fix this. And until one night, I just couldn't carry that, um, that weight anymore, that pressure. And I thought, this is so wrong because I used to have two boys that filled me with joy that I was so grateful for that were gifts for me. And now I can't look at either one of them without crying. What a waste. And I prayed to God. I said, God, I don't want this to be the kind of mother that I am. I don't want Jack to look at me and see me crying all the time. I don't want Will to see me crying all the time because this is the life we have. And God, you knew that these were the boys you were giving me. And you know what's going to happen to them. And it's not on me to figure it out. And they're the same gifts that they were when they were born. It's just my attitude that has changed. And so I prayed through every eventuality. I was just like, you know what? Even if he's in a wheelchair, you're still God. And I'm still faithful. Even if he never talks, you're still God. And you're still going to be here. Even if he dies, you're still God. And you're still going to be here. And so I just laid it down. And I'm so grateful that God helped me to do that. Because I only had 10 months left with Will. And you know what? It didn't matter that he couldn't walk. Because there were always people to hold him. And it didn't matter that he couldn't talk. Because he expressed so much with his smile and his snuggles and everything that he was. And we all know that time is short, but we forget. And sometimes we take back that control and we just waste time worrying about things and regretting things and being mad about things and complaining about things when it's not our job to do that. Our job is just to live the life that we have and obey God in it. So let's go back to Eve. Um, Eve found out with Abel that time is very short um, because in one moment he was gone. And until that moment, she hadn't really understood about death because she had come from Eden where no one ever died and Nobody had died yet, and this was the first death. And finally, she realized, oh, my goodness. God was right when he said that I shouldn't stop trusting him because he was trying to protect me from death, which I didn't understand. And now I don't have any more time with Abel. And now I don't have any more time with Cain. And I wasted it complaining and building my own thing and trying to control things and... I don't want to waste it anymore. And when we suffer, we have this point where we have to decide, am I going to make my life about this suffering or am I going to trust God that he has something better, that he has hope, that he wants to get me out of this? And so when, when Seth is born, she says something totally different. She says, God has appointed me another seed. So she says, 
this baby, this is not something I've earned. This is not something that I could do in my own strength. God just chose to give me this gift. And Seth comes from that verb, appointed, that God set this boy in my family, and I can just be grateful for it. And I can teach him about God, about the garden, about how God didn't want this for us. He wanted us to live without death and without evil, but now we have it. So now we just have to overcome it and seek him and go back to intimacy with him. So can I get the worship team to come back up? Um, intimacy with God. That's what he wanted for them in the garden. He he wanted them to trust him, trust that he wanted good things for them, trust him so much that they were willing to just let go of this one fruit, and they couldn't do it. And now there's a lot of other evil things that have been opened up that we know about, and there's a lot more suffering, but God's invitation is still the same. Come back to me, trust me, and you can live forever with me away from all this. This life is short. If you can overcome it, I have an invitation back into paradise for you. Um, so I'll just end with prayer. Lord, we live in a dark world full of suffering and grief and loss. And it is hard to live here. But Lord... This isn't what you wanted for us. And you have something better for us. And you can give us that hope and that intimacy with you that will enable us to overcome the brief suffering in this life. And that will enable us to let go of our own plans and our own kingdoms and our own dreams and just run to you. Because only with you are we safe. And only with you do we really live. So we say there's nothing better than you, Lord, and we will trust you. Amen. Better than you, there's nothing. Better than you, there's nothing. Nothing is better Turn morning. 
He's the only one who can. As Anne was speaking, I was thinking of, of the life of Jesus and that when he came, he gave hope to the hopeless. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. And I think he did those things because he was telling them it was never meant to be this way. This wasn't the, what it was supposed to be like for creation. I, it was supposed to be a garden. And then he invites everyone to come to him, that intimacy with him, that relationship with him, because when we come to him, he gives us new life. He gives us abundant life. He gives us eternal life. He says, come back to me. Come back into relationship with me. And he's inviting you to do that today. And so let's pray together. God, I thank you that you are a good, good father who gave, sacrificed his one and only son, who loved us so much that you gave us Jesus, that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Seems like that means a little more today, God, than it did before. And so thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for the life that you promise us. Lord, like Adam and Eve, we've chosen our own way so many times and made so many excuses. And, and we've found ourselves far from you. But uh, today, Lord, we're turning that around. And we're coming close. We're drawing near. We're drawing near to your gift of life. God, we want more of you this year. We want to be close to you this year. We want that relationship with you this year like never before. And so, God, we are going to press into that relationship to know you, to be close to you, to receive all that you have for us. God, we are finished trying to figure this out and doing it on our own, thinking our way is better, keeping our little kingdom going. God, we just surrender today. Holy Spirit, we surrender to be just molded and shaped and moved by you. And God, thank you for your word, and thank you that it rings so true even today. And Jesus, thank you for your love and your life. 
that you give us freely. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.